and welcome to Into the Wild, the podcast that brings you wildlife facts, conservation updates and nature stories from the professionals to you. I'm sure, like me, you lot adore nature and enjoy staring at it. And if that's the case, I could not recommend Leica Sport Optics enough. I'm new to the world of binoculars and wasn't sure how best to use them. But with Leica's easy to use models and high-end technology, it didn't take me long before I was seeing wildlife like I've never seen it before. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Into the Wild. I'm your host Ryan Dalton. Thanks for clicking play on this week's episode. Usually I'd be doing a bit of an intro to the episode, however this week I'm not going to be doing that. That's because it's an episode special. This episode is titled Nature Room 101. Countless amounts of times on the show we've been talking about the things we love about nature, the things we adore, but we never have a bit of a moan. We never talk about the things that annoy us. So I thought, why not do an episode dedicated to that? This week, I'm joined by wildlife photographer Jack Perks and author Lucy McRobert as we pick three categories to do with nature. We each have a moan and then we pick the winner that will go forever into Nature Room 101. Hello, welcome to a very new and special episode of, I say special episode of Into the Wild, it's just we've not done this before. Welcome to Nature Room 101. If you're not familiar with Room 101, um, it's basically a show where people rant and rave about something to do with a topic and they put their least favourite thing into Room 101 where it can never be seen or heard of again. Now the nature world, um, obviously this is a nature and wildlife podcast, I absolutely adore the natural world and the planet and everything in it, but I'm also human as well and there's things that piss me off. And I like to have a whinge, I like to have a moan. So I thought it'd be good and refreshing to have an episode where we talk about elements of the natural world and the industry and we have a little bit of a moan and a whinge. It's healthy. You can't be positive all the time, right? You can't be. I just don't believe you. If you are, you're you're not well. Go see someone. (laughs) So I need some help because I don't want to sit here and rant and rave on my own. That would be depressing and I would need help. So I thought I'd get two people to come onto the show and help me out. Now, what's going to happen is we've got three topics. Each of me and my guests are going to pick our thing in that topic and we're going to vote to have that into Room 101. We as a group will then vote for our favourite one, but it can't be the one that we selected. Whichever one wins, we'll go into Room 101 and stay there forever. So let me introduce my guests. Both guests um, have been on the show before. My first guest is author. Lucy McRobert. Lucy, thank you so much for being on. You were back on the show back way, way when we started. It seems ages ago. I was like one of the people you cut your teeth on before you knew how technology worked and stuff. It was great. (laughs) You were my guinea pig, Lucy. Do you remember? I think I was one of them, actually. Yeah, it was great. It was lovely, though. And I'm still here. You're still here. You're still part of the show. Well, You've got more famous people now, undoubtedly. Um, But we don't take that too personally. (laughs) <laughs> no, not a chance. Um, how how are you? Welcome to the show. Are you in, uh, looking forward to having a bit of a rant? Absolutely. This is exactly up my street because like you, I love nature. I love everything in nature, except that I don't love everything in nature because that's normal. Mm. There's this kind of view that you have to be like sanctimonious and perfect if you're in the natural world. You don't. <laughs> you're not. You're allowed not to like things. Things don't have to go right yeah. all the time. So no, I, this is way for me. I love it. Amazing. And before we get started, I thought I'd give you an opportunity. You don't have to take it. You can just say skip. But is there anything you want to say to the listeners before you share your answers? I say just listen with a really open mind and you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. That is one of the things about this industry. You are allowed to disagree with me and that's okay. You don't have to like launch into me on Twitter and say I'm a horrible person because I'm just human. I have things that I like. I have things I don't like. And it's very tongue in cheek. So... 
Yes. Don't worry. And if I, I accidentally swear, I'm really sorry because my Twitter is squeaky clean because I've got loads of kids that follow <laughs> me and it's not a reflection of who I am as a person. I think this is a really interesting... Because as I introduce my next guest, we've got like kind of medium, low and high. So your, your Twitter is squeaky clean. Mine, <laughs> I swear, but I always asterisk out. I don't know why I do that, but I do. My next guest doesn't care <laughs> about swearing on any level and i admire it my next guest is wildlife photographer filmmaker and podcaster and presenter of country file mr jack perks jack welcome to the show how are you thanks for having me back buddy yeah looking forward to uh ruffling some feathers hopefully <laughs> um you, you looking forward to a good moan well, I'd just be standing on the street corner shouting about these things anyway, so it's nice to get it recorded and someone gets some enjoyment out of it, I suppose. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. <laughs> um, and the same opportunity for you, mate. Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we get going? Um, I mean, yeah, if you've got any complaints, just message Ryan, really. Don't bother me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can, but I'll just kind of look at it going, all oh, right, okay, yeah, obviously nothing better to do with your day, so... Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I can't wait for this email flood chain to, be, <laughs> to begin. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Well, it's lovely to have you both here. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to jump into our first topic. And this is, I think this is the one that is going to people off the most. So animals we don't like. I'm going to start with you, Jack. Which animal, which animal are you going to put into room 101 that just absolutely you don't like or annoys you uh, it was really tough because i do and i know this is such a cop-out answer but i love all animals so i was like what do i don't like and i thought well i really struggled and i thought okay there's one thing or one animal in particular that i that gives me the creeps and that's ticks you know uh i don't know have yeah. either of you ever had a tick no i have yeah you know so oh you you have Ryan. You say, I, and on the dogs, on the dogs. Walk, so yeah so um mm. it's just whenever i'm on a nature reserve in the summer particularly if you're in scotland or somewhere I like you. You do all the trouser stuff. You spray all that that stuff on your legs. And like, oh, I really hope you don't see them. And then you'll come out off off the heath and whatever, and you'll see all these little dots crawling on your trouser leg. And it's like Bleh! it's just I can't stand them. <laughs> and as well, like the diseases that they carry, like Lyme's disease and uh, and stuff mm. like that. And it was a couple of years ago. I had one. Um, I, I wore shorts stupidly, and I got back, and I was having a bath. Um, I won't go too much detail. I was in the bath anyway, and I thought, uh, I thought, oh, I, <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, I didn't have a mole there before, and and it was a tick on my leg. And I was like, like God. that's not, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. And I was like, uh, oh, I no. didn't. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I removed that, and then I, I said to my wife, oh, I found a tick on my leg. Ticks like to find moist, dark places. Um, I'm going to need you to to check me out. And she's like kind of looked at me like I was joking I was like no so I, I checked the front carriage because I could handle that and there was no ticks there like that's great but I was like well my ass is prime habitat for a tick so I had to bend over and uh, I'm not sure I should be saying any of this but I'll, I'll, I'm sure country file won't mind and, what an absolutely amazing sentence and get it on a t-shirt yeah and um so I I kind of uh parted the buns and she got a torch and had a, had a quick look and there were no ticks on my anus but um, that could be on a T-shirt as well. But there was a tick kind of just below the buttocks, which I wouldn't have found without my wife's um, help. So I'm I'm definitely had, glad that we got married because otherwise that tick probably still be there now. Oh. And um, was, was it a big juicy one or no, was it, it was like it was still a because that's the other thing people don't realise. Like you see the ones on dogs, and I guess you see it a lot, Ryan, with the the stuff mm. you do and 
and the nature work that you do, Lucy. But like the big juicy ones are pretty easy to to see. But ticks are tiny; they're minuscule. They're yeah. really, really easy to miss when they first latch onto you. So I know there's no such thing as a pointless animal, but um, I really don't want ticks up my ass. So I'd rather, <laughs> um, I'd rather. And and have either of you heard of the Lone Star tick? Does that come across your no. path? No. So the Lone Star Tick is a species that, and you'll probably like this one, right? Because it turns you vegan. So there's an enzyme in the Lone Star Tick saliva that makes you allergic to red meat. So when this tick bites you, you can no longer eat steak or pork. Right? You'll be, you get violent diarrhea and you just feel really, really poorly um, if this tick bites you. So I guess it's... Well, is that like a permanent thing? Is it yeah. like forever? You're... No, it's, it's <gasps> permanent. And there was a, I did a workshop in uh, Dorset and this American lady, because it's only in America... Well, I think they, the odd one turns up in the UK, but it's predominantly in, in Texas, like Lone Star Tick. And this woman was like, oh, mm. I can't eat steak. And I thought, oh, you know, are you, are you a vegan? Sorry. And she went, no, I, I'd love to, but this tick bit me and, and I can't. So... <laughs> Texas is not a good place for that. No. <laughs> no, God, if it's one place you don't want to be for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, you've got ticks in orifices and they turn you vegan, which I guess isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you've just won me over to like some ticks now. <laughs> so I'm not going to get you... If there's sudden a high rate of, like, those tick bites in the UK, I didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eco-terrorism or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. well, that's... um. Oh, ticks. That's a good one. Okay, so that's nice. Also, I, I, it's nice to hear you and your wife have got a nice relationship in sickness and in health. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a good. She's a good egg. So uh, <laughs> traumatized, <laughs> slightly traumatized. Traumatized. Yeah. Like, we don't talk anymore. But <laughs> how can you after that? How can you? What is there? What else can you say after buttocks have been parted? <laughs> um. Okay. Well. So ticks uh, on the board. Lucy, I'm going to go to you now. Which animal are you going to put forward to go into Room 101? So this is a very different vein that I've taken. And I, I'm sorry, I will have people gasp in horror. Uh, unlike Jack, I can think of a number of animals that I'm really not that fond of. Um, <laughs> I like nature, but there's a number of things that freak me out. This isn't something that freaks me out, but just something that really irks me. Ducklings. Mm. Standard duckling ducklings sorry ducklings so there is a reason for this there's two reasons actually uh first of all it's the time of year where there are lots of ducklings and i mm -hmm. have people come up to me all the time and they go oh, have you seen the ducklings and they're invariably mallard or feral and i'm like yes aren't <laughs> they lovely even my little girl is like so cute i'm like yes they're cute okay get mm. on with it um <laughs> And they are, they're lovely. Like, I posted them on my Instagram. They're sweet. They get loads of likes. Fair enough, clickbait, whatever. But then what happens is things eat the ducklings because the ducklings are part of the food chain. And yeah. the incandescent rage that this provokes from otherwise perfectly normal, civilised people who are literally willing to throw themselves in front of gulls, herons, other ducks, otters, anything, in fact, to produce to protect this completely, frankly, pointless thing. It is... There's 13 of them. 12 of them are dispensable, frankly. This is not a human thing. I have never seen something that is so anthropomorphised ever as a duckling. And everyone goes like, it's disgusting. 
disgusting what those red-listed gulls are doing to these feral ducklings. And you're like, really? You say you like nature? And it just, it brings out this complete lack of ecological knowledge that people have. My other issue with ducklings is I don't think there is any other animal, apart from maybe sheep, where something so cute can be so frankly disappointing as an adult. Like, <laughs> it, it is the epitome yes. of adorable. And you just sit there and go, oh, and then they grow up in the teenage stage. Ugh. And then they grow into mm. adults and you're just like, Ugh. and then as adults, they're not particularly nice. They're a bit rapey. And they chase each other around. And I don't, I just, I like ducks, fine. And I'm a fan of baby animals in general. But I think these guys just, I think they play too many cute cards. And I'm not buying it. I'm imagining every single listener right now just holding a cup of tea, gasping at this one. (laughs) Just going like, ducklings. Because how's the kids' books coming along, Lucy? (laughs) They don't have ducklings in them. <laughs> Duck. Okay, that's an intro. I didn't think you would go down that route. Oh, there's a number that's of birds I would put in room 101. Um, but this is... But ducklings is your Duck... I think they are just deceptive. I think they play this look at me, I'm so cute card to get people on side and they grow up to frankly be not very nice people and they're, <laughs> they're part of the food chain ultimately when they're that big. We had a couple of marsh harriers hanging around on Silly this spring. And frankly, they decimated the duckling population. And (laughs) people who claim that they love nature and they love wildlife. No, I love birds until they eat my ducklings. And Mm -hmm. I find that really irks me because I go, well, what about the gull's chicks? That gull is probably taking this duckling and feeding it to its chicks. Don't care. What about the marsh harrier chicks? Okay, they don't have chicks, but whatever. Don't like it. No. No, the duckling has, it's this kind of hierarchical thing where the duckling has more right to life than, frankly, anything else on Earth. It's not just other birds, it's anything else on, I mean, otters, poof, they can all die as long as the ducklings live. And it, oh, it really makes me angry. What do you say to people if they, like, try and defend the duckling in front of you? Do you go from, because you're you're a very, like, lovely, polite person. Do you go proper, like, Hulk? Um, I, I wheel out the red list thing, which people don't care about, because um, if you try and convince people that gulls are good, I mean, I don't even particularly like gulls, but I'll tolerate yeah. them. And um, apart from the little ones, I like the little cute ones, like Bonaparte's gulls. Oh, Ross's gull. Oh, even a blackhead. I'll go with a the blackhead. They're nice. But I, I try and kind of do the, the logical thing. And it's other people. They're like, oh, you love birds. You must love ducklings. And this broad assumption that's made about Mm. me as a person i'm like yeah i love a duckling as much as the next person but i recognize that they are serving a function in ecology frankly there is a reason why she has had 13 i cannot have 13 children in one go i have one i have to invest my energy in it she is playing her odds when she has 13 kids (laughs) i have to invest my energy into it All of my biological genetics Happy are Mother's Day. in this child. I have to put all of my energy into this. Whereas Mother Duckling, she loses them. They're like mm. off a quarter of a mile away, That's squeaking, true. going, oh my God, no, like, where's mummy gone? It's like, she doesn't care about you. She's gone. She's got her other 12 that she's looking out for. You're now part of the food chain. Didn't um, a face even a mother duck couldn't love? Didn't a guy a couple of years ago strangle a heron somewhere because it was eating ducklings? I don't know if you guys saw that in the news. There was, there was um, I think it literally ate a duckling. He like grabbed it 
by the neck because it was swallowed. Oh my! It's God. on the news. So I can't remember where it was, but I remember reading that because it was this heroin was just scoffing ducklings. That doesn't surprise me. If there's a YouTube link, it's going in the right up of this show. <laughs> I don't it think there was. Me. I don't think there was a video, but it was on the news anyway. Some guy like, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, good lord. I'd love to see a pike nail a duckling. That'd be awesome. Just, yeah, <laughs> I've seen loads of terrapins take one. Have you? Loads of terrapins. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Just in like, so when I was working in the zoo, we had like terrapins in ponds across the zoo and stuff like that. Um, and ducks were just, and yeah, a number of just whoop, and take them down. It was just like, and it's quick with terrapins. They don't mess around. They just take them down like a crocodile takes down a gazelle. <laughs> it's very graphic, but it is very quick. Um, okay, well, that's interesting. So we've got ticks, we've got ducklings. I'm going to share mine now. Mine is also a bird. Um, I mean, it's no secret on the show that birds are not my thang. Um, but I do like birds. I do like them. My one that I've picked, and it's quite a large group, is parrots. I'm putting parrots into room... <gasps> well, I would like to put parrots into room 101. No, well, that's it. This is the same thing as a duckling. Everyone likes them because they're colourful and they can in imitate noises. But my problem with parrots is they're cocky, they're smart, and they have the mental capacity of a four-year-old, but they live for 80 years. <laughs> it's, now, Lucy, you're a mother. Jack, you're... Not a father, not them, but you might. Would you? Not want, I'm aware of. Would you want a four-year-old? Not, re- <laughs> not really. Not really. No. <laughs> would you want a four-year-old for eighty years? It would be a big emotional investment. I, 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 I can see your point. I, I definitely can see where you're going with this argument. Thinking it through, as she starts to kind of get heart palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't stand it because it's like. It's like someone not growing up. I don't put up with that kind of immaturity with my friends. I'm not putting up with it from a parrot. I've seen a parrot actively do something that it was told not to do. I don't know whether it was just copying something like, don't move that pencil, and the parrot moved the pencil. So they're <laughs> stubborn, right? <laughs> I've seen a parrot just regurgitate at the look of someone. <laughs> so someone brought that. <laughs> I quite like parrots by the sound of this. This ain't great. <laughs> And I just think they, they're constantly squawking. They're constantly making noise. They look at me, look at me. And to be honest, if they if they disappeared, I don't think I get... They're also... Okay, do you know what? I'm going to get down to the... They scare the <laughs> shit out of me. <gasps> Even parakeets? Because are, we on, or are we on big parrots here? Are we like, you're being a bit anti-London here? <laughs> no, big parrots. Okay. okay. But I'd say big par- Oh, Do you know what? Macaws. I'm putting macaws into room 101. <laughs> Because the, the, everyone thinks they're cute and lovely or they're just beautiful birds. Once you get close to them, I've seen more parrots do damage to people in the zoo world than pretty much any other animal. Because they, they lure you in. They're like, yeah, sure, come closer. Oh, yeah, let's, let's ham feed for a bit. Bam, nose is gone. <laughs> what? What, you've seen someone's nose be decapitated by a parrot? <laughs> no, no oh. but I've seen a very oh. large chunk of face being taken Really? By- oh, oh, wow. Yeah. They're, they're, if they want to be, they they can be dangerous animals, and I don't like them. And they they flap and no. Is this all intelligent birds? Like, are we are you like counting ravens and stuff in this, or is this just like legit parrots because they're showy bastards? They're just showy. I don't like showy things, like things that are like constantly. I know. I, I do you know. I've said that, and I'm a I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chuck yourself in wire at it then. I know, yeah. No, I just think it, it's just macaw. It's bird, like parrots, like macaws, the the big ones that just that people love. And I'm just like they squawk really loud. The, 
They're just like, no. There was a parrot in, um, I can't remember the zoo in Boston, somewhere Boston in Lincolnshire, I think it was. And they had to separate it because it was learning swear words off the visitors. And then it taught the other parrots swear words. So then every time someone would walk by, they'd go like, <laughs> to like kids and stuff. Or, or they'd call the keepers a because they didn't get enough seed or whatever. Which I thought, I know that is bad because you don't want the kids learning words like that. But I, I sort of like think that's quite good. That's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see what I mean? But you see, you wouldn't accept that off of anything else, would you? You wouldn't accept that. Like, if I was going around going, oi, call him a <laughs> if he don't give you enough food, people wouldn't stand for it. So no. why are we letting parrots do it? No. But if a badger did it, I'd be quite impressed. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I'd, be over the moon. I'd be over the moon if a badger did it. <laughs> so it's all relative. <laughs> okay, so those are our three. We've got ticks, we've got ducklings, we've got parrots such as macaws, so large parrots. Um, we now need to vote between the three of us. So, Lucy, we'll start with you. Out of parrots and ticks, which one would you go for? I was thinking that ticks were going to be a little bit conventional, but following the ass story, I'm going to have to go with ticks. I think if a marriage can survive that, it can probably survive anything. And that is the true test of love. I'm not sure ours would survive that. <laughs> yeah, he's a keeper. I I'd, long I'd, to make sure mine doesn't have to. I'd hand him a mirror and a pair of tweezers. <laughs> the longest pair of tweezers in the world. Just... <laughs> I mean, if you search, um, you search the dark web, it'll be on there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, out of um, parrots and ducklings. Um, it's got to be ducklings, I think. I think I agree with Lucy. They're just ducklings. little fluffy bits of protein, aren't they? So let's go with that. <laughs> They're a protein ball. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I've got the decider now. Yeah, sorry, Ryan. I do, I do, I get your McCall thing. I get where you're going yeah. with that. No, no, it's grand. This is. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, ducklings, or oh, I'm going to have to go with ticks because I'm really sorry, Lucy. I love a duckling. Oh, you're so. I London. do love a duckling. I do, well, you know, I half live on the canals, and I it's a time of year I look forward to. So I'm going to have to go with ticks. Ticks win it for Nature Room 101. They're going in. Also, you're Congratulations, unlikely. Jack. You're unlikely to find a duckling or a parrot up your ass. So, you know, unlikely yeah. but not impossible. Not impossible. I'm not going to. I'm not going to rule it out. You could fall in a canal, and who knows? But let's. Um... I'd love to go into A and E with that one. I fell on it. This is the feathers poking. Then why has it got a condom? I fell on it. Oh god. Oh Christ. That oh. was hilarious. Right. Let's let's move on to our next round. Okay, our next round is the nature industry. Let's burn some bridges. <laughs> um, okay, so, <laughs> so my my one for the nature industry, which I don't like, is so specific. I'm going to go with city wildlife, but that, let me explain because it's not it's not I don't like city wildlife, all right? But this is what I don't like about it, right? The nature industry. Here's what I can't stand, and this should go into room 101. I can't stand people that don't live in a city telling people that live in a city to appreciate city wildlife. If you live in the New Forest, if you live in the Lake District or in Sherwood Forest, then go f*** yourselves when trying to tell me to appreciate a pigeon, all right? You get to see otters, beavers, butterflies, swifts, birds of prey, unicorns jumping over waterfalls with butterflies everywhere. I go out the front and see a pigeon with a condom around its neck, all right? There ain't much in a city. It's not always here. That is my rant. 
stop telling me to appreciate it. I'll appreciate it when I want to. That's my rant. <laughs> no, I get that. I mean, that was a big thing for the past year in lockdown with all these really sanctimonious people in like beauty spots going, oh my God, yeah, just go outside and appreciate the nature on your doorstep. It's like, I've got a dandelion. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've got a monster munch packet and a drunk man. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, Jack. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but there's not, there's not, like, there is city wildlife. Of course, there's city wildlife, but it can be more scarce. Also, going looking for it, you feel like a because there's people everywhere. So yeah, I want to lay on the floor and take a picture of that little Herb Robert that's growing out of the wall. But there's also people on the buses or school kids everywhere and they go, Oi. and it's just, you feel like a bit of a... Um, so it's not easy to appreciate city wildlife and it's not easy to hear someone that lives in the Garden of Eden to tell you to appreciate city wildlife. So what I, I guess what I mean from this is the nature industry, if we're going to talk about city wildlife, can we get someone from the city to do it, please? No, I get that. I, that I, is I, mine, yeah, yeah. I can see where you're coming from. It, in the past year, it was particularly irritating. Like mm, pictures of Cornwall. Really and it was yeah. like, look at this Cornish <laughs> coast. Oh, yeah, like you should totally love nature outside. And yeah. I, the other thing with city wildlife, Ryan, is that a lot of it's invasive. So, like, mm. you get told to love it on the one hand, and it's like, yeah, go outside mm -hmm. and look at the grey squirrels and the terrapins and the rose-ringed <laughs> yeah. parakeets. And everyone goes, yeah, nature's amazing. Yeah. And then, like, two minutes later, you're getting told to cull the... And you're like, well, exactly. make your mind up. Do we like this or yeah. not? Am I allowed to love this squirrel or not? Yeah. Well, I saved it a minute ago. Now I've got to wring his neck. You put it on Twitter. Everyone's like, ew, grey squirrel. And then you take it off Twitter. Thank and everyone's you. like, oh, my God, you don't love your own nature on your doorstep. <laughs> Pick one. Exactly. And this is why this is why I've loved the last week where they're telling you to get into more into dandelions and stuff. So, well, at least that stuff's around me and at least that stuff's important. But half the time they're like, Swifts are arriving. Oh, I suppose Swifts actually, we do, we do get quite a lot in London. So that's quite easy. But thinking of another one, like, uh, you know what? The f***ing walrus can... F I'm fed up with people going, oh, I travelled during lockdown to go and see a f***ing walrus while all the other marine mammals are like, Bro, like I've been here all year. Why don't you care about me? And then I'm sat here in London looking at a plastic bag floating down the canal. Like, it's just think about what you're posting. <laughs> Jack, what is your nature industry rant going room 101? Um, oh, it was it was tough because there's a few I could have picked, but I guess I, I'm going to go with kind of the bureaucracy and the politics of it all. The amount of paperwork and permissions and hoops you have to go through for things like, say, reintroduction, for example. When I'm not saying there shouldn't mm. be guidance. But, like, there needs to be a, a more streamlined way of getting these animals back. This is just one example. I'm not specifically saying about rewilding, but I'll give you an example. So, uh, 2007, they tried to reintroduce burbot, which are a, they're a, a fish that went extinct in the UK in the 60s, more or less. And we think it's because of habitat loss and pollution and whatever. So, there was a feasibility study, and it said, okay, we can bring them back. There's no reason why they wouldn't survive in the UK anymore. And uh, on one of the forms, somebody put an extra zero on the form. Uh, and it was basically the, am the amount of salinity um, to get rid of parasites. And uh, the extra zero meant that the animal would have died. So it would have been pointless. But because that zero was there, it meant they had to do it. And, then, and the guy who, who was trying to do it at the time was like, well, look, if I do that, it's going to die. So I'm just going to ignore that zero and, uh, and do it. The department, I can't remember if it was DEFRA or Natural England or somebody with too much time on their hands. Uh, saw that night, but you didn't. You didn't do it to the letter, um, so we're not. We're not going to let you reintroduce this now. And like, but clearly he was just using common sense because it would have died. But they weren't having none of it, so the whole thing fell on its arse. 
because of a zero. Mm. That happens all across the board um, and kind of inter-conservation rival. Like you'd imagine that it's one big happy family that everyone in conservation holds hands and skips through fields and it's lovely and whatever. But even like within the Wildlife Trust, like you think they're all one big organisation, but individual Wildlife Trusts compete for different funding. So like I'll, I'll be talking to someone in Knott's Wildlife Trust and I go, oh, do you know so-and-so in Derby Wildlife Trust? Like, oh, yeah, never heard of them. Like, but you both work for the same overall group and yet they've got little to no contact and in fact they're in competition with each other so there's so much kind of bureaucracy politics and general in this uh thing i just think it needs <laughs> stripping down basically i guess what i'm getting at is we need a nature dictatorship is what i'd quite like i just like someone to just decide i don't know maybe uh maybe maybe give Derek gal power or maybe that's a dangerous idea actually but someone along those lines and uh, just get things done. But no, Sweet. Jack, saying so, that, people called Derek are friggin' awesome, just generically. There was one guy who I used to know, he's very sadly dead now, but he's an absolute hero. He's a guy called Derek Moore. And okay. he said, get rid of all conservation NGOs and just have two. One that does engagement and education and communications and one that does the actual land management. And that's it. Yeah. Everyone else, like, no ferns, no worms, no bees, no butterflies, no birds. Everything just gets done by one or two. And yeah. it's about habitats and species and it's about education. And that is it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of sensible, actually. Yeah. I mean, well, because it all crosses over anyway. Well, exactly. Everything crosses over. Exactly. It. And if you want to get your conspiracy tinfoil hats on, I mean, it benefits <laughs> It benefits a lot of conservation charities to keep animals endangered because that's where they get the money. Uh, I'm not saying that they're doing this intentionally, but if you think about it, that if they, they get funding <laughs> because... These... There's a reason why the pandas aren't breeding. <laughs> Someone slipping them. Slip little condoms. They're or slipping something. something to them. So you know, like, because obviously, if an bamboo animal... laced with contraceptive. Well, sorry, Jack. It could, it's all right. No, I don't. Yeah, go for it. But yeah, I don't know. It just if if an animal's endangered, you're going to get money and help to do it. And if it becomes successful, then you're going to lose that, which potentially loses jobs. So I'm not saying that is the case, but if you think about it, you know. Well, no, I think it it does make a lot. So I'm going to try and sum up yours. Is this as as a title? For uh, to put it in okay is how about pernickety people and paperwork i guess so it, it's quite um, it's a very vague and broad thing I, I tried to describe it as best i could but yeah paper that's the essence of it but yeah something like that mm. but i will try yeah, okay but that it, that is a really good one and i actually think yeah. the one you've selected is one of the main issues with things not just not getting done and not going forward like we stand here and go like we've got to act now we've got to act quick we can't wait the planet is dying yeah. it's like we'll go through these 75 well, they were like, we oh well, we better do a, an assessment form for fence posts and then we better work out where the best sandwich is for this day and it's just like just get on with it you know what i mean yes yeah <laughs> um wonderful um okay lucy we're gonna move on to you for the um Nature industry, room 101, what are you putting forward? Well, like Jack, I had about five things and I'm still kind of choosing one and trying to kind of go, oh, I need something that's a bit more different than Jack's because mine was quite similar. Um, <laughs> not identical, but similar enough. So I'm going to go down a different route and say nature mm. writing. But specifically within that, oh, okay. there is a specific and it's the cliqueiness in nature writing that is a bit of a nightmare to navigate. So the reason this has all come about is there's a big thing at the moment for anthologies. And I was part of an anthology a few years ago with the Seasons book, and it was awesome because you basically could submit pieces to the editor, no matter who you were. And it was really egalitarian, and 
anyone could get involved. And as a consequence, loads of really cool nature writers were found um, who were really good. And it was the first time being published for loads of people. And it was a great opportunity edited by Mel Harrison, who's a bit of a babe. And it was just awesome. Since then, we seem to have gone backwards. And it seems to have gone back to the same old people who talk about the same old things. And this really, really irritates me. One book that's just come out by a number of people who I really like and respect, so I'm not going to name it because I do legitimately like them and I do legitimately like their writing, but they've taken their mates. They've taken pieces that were already written by their mates. They have republished Mm. them with a load of dead people. And basically, it creates this insider-outsider approach, whether you then have people going like to me, or why weren't you involved? Or why wasn't this person involved? And actually, you end up with some people being really pissed off. And not me personally, because I'm busy. I've got other things to do with my time than be pissed off. But I end up having phone calls with people going, why didn't you pick me? Or why didn't this happen? Or why wasn't I good enough? And I really struggle in the time of a pandemic when the whole world has been changed. The whole world has been re-scripted. There are so many interesting things going on right now in the way that we appreciate and enjoy nature. To essentially Mm. have a load of dead people who were writing 50 to 100 to 150 years ago favoured over people who were reinterpreting nature in a really interesting and relevant way. Like I'm not saying their work is no good. It's not. It has a place, but we don't have to keep wheeling out the same people. There were three nature authors, in inverted commas, sorry, but it's true, um, last year who wrote a lockdown book. And the really good thing is, I can't actually remember what it's called, which has made me very happy because it means I didn't get any PR. But it was three white, middle-class, middle-aged blokes who are friends with each other who went, oh, we can write about nature during lockdown, as if that's somehow relevant anymore. Like, I find it just irks me. And then people get left out because people go, oh, well, yes, we needed some ethnic diversity and we needed some women and we needed some young people writing. So we left some other people out to include these people. And often it just smacks of tokenism rather than actually being a genuine process where people put the research in, they find the genuinely best nature writers and they might be people that no one's ever heard of. It's marvellous. Look at blogs research do Mm -hmm. do the work do the legwork don't just pick the first person up who happens to be in your phone and says oh yeah you know what we 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 could write a book together actually couldn't we and that's easy because you're a woman and i'm a man and then that's that box ticked and i don't have to worry about that anymore and then i can carry on just spouting the same old romantic old-fashioned twaddle that i've been writing about for the past 20 years i just find it boring i can't read Mm -hmm. a lot of nature writing anymore because i find it dull because it's the same people and those same people have no problem getting publishing deals those same people walk up to any publisher and any publisher goes oh well yeah because like you'll sell eight thousand copies no problem so we'll take your book another younger better nature writer from a disadvantaged background could give you something that was better written more powerful more interesting and will never get a contract because that other person who will just write about any old thing that crosses their desk without any genuine expertise will get the contract over them and that really <laughs> me off yeah i agree and you know what? it's it, i think this is a problem in the comedy industry in the acting industry in the music industry it's the same thing it's it, you, you, i see it in the comedy all the time it's like if i uh, i don't know i'm trying to think of an old comedian now even if peter k suddenly came back and wanted to do something he'd get a show like that mm. and he could put all his friends back in it and all the new talent would be pushed to the side and it doesn't matter and it's like you said because it's because they can yeah 
and it's not always meant with any malice or any kind of but it's just it's it's an attitude of and it's, it's more to the people doing the booking it's like do it better mm-hmm. do it so yeah. much better do your research look further look deeper and try and find who is out there because there's loads yes there's so many people doing it and it's not hard to find a, a black writer an asian writer a female writer it, it's not hard to mm-hmm. do it it doesn't always have to be the white man that's done it for like you said seven, 60 70 years and they don't whatever, have to go back to yeah. the same people that's where the tokenism comes in is they go mm. oh god we need an asian writer because we've literally got a load of white middle class men oh my god who should we go to and they go to one of the same people literally yeah. the most brilliant piece of writing I have read in years. Anita Sethi's new book, I Belong Here. It is so good. Oh mm. my God. It The introduction just blew my mind. And it is like the new way that we should be talking about nature writing. It is yeah. so good. And I want to see like her way more profiled than she is at the moment. I'd love to see loads more of her stuff because it's so good. And she's got another two books with Bloomsbury, which is really exciting. But there's loads more people like her who can share mm. their own stories, who don't just talk about nature, but it's personal. And it's not just kind of, oh, well, I'm lucky enough to live in a little quaint village somewhere <laughs> surrounded by great white egrets. And I'm just going to pontificate about them. It's like there's really exciting stuff. And I really, I do want to emphasize that I do actually like nature writing. And a lot of these people are what I would consider friends or people I look up to. I do genuinely like it, but I just wish there was more effort put in by publishers and Mm. editors. And that's the other thing. Editors, sometimes you can edit people no matter how famous they are. Cut their work down by a good 50%. Make that book cheaper and make that person a better writer. Because sometimes they just don't get edited. The big people don't get edited. And frankly, the grammar's a bit poor. The sentences are too long. It's wordy. And then it's a 300-page book that's frankly overpriced. And you don't need it. And the whole industry is shaking up. And I think it's great. Like Ginny Reddy, amazing. Anita Sethi, amazing. Mm. There's some really good people that are now coming through. But it needs to happen quicker. And where anthologies are concerned, it needs to be, I think, a more well-researched process that's just that makes the most of new talent and gives people a friggin' shot because otherwise it is ruthlessly competitive. And then you see other established people just getting book contracts just one after the other and they're not saying anything new or different. And it's not their expertise. One great guy who I know, he wrote about wild childhood because I was like, do you know who's never written about wild childhood? A woman. Because we don't Mm. have time. We don't have time to write about our children because we're raising them. Stop (laughs) writing about them and start looking after them so she can go and write about her experience as a mother rather than you talking about how important it is to take your kids out in a forest school. So at that point, she's doing all this other stuff to keep it going. And I want to hear what she has to say. I want to hear what she thinks of wild childhood and wiping mud off their faces and going, oh, God, it's just swallowed a stone oh, God, it's got a snail in its ear. <laughs> all these things are just like, that's what happens if you're a mum and then you get all these men Is going, your daughter okay? <laughs> hopefully. Um, <laughs> it's a nursery, fingers crossed. She's, she's playing with some stones. Yeah, it, it, but it, this is the thing. Women never write about wild childhood because we don't have time mm. because it, it feels like a luxury. And then you get all these men writing about it in this really romantic way as if it's the best thing ever to stick your child out in nature and sometimes it's a disaster yeah <laughs> well this is a this is a tricky one i think because we've all picked things that i i mean i hate every single one and i agree with every single one of you so this is going to be a challenge to vote 
So what should we call yours nature writing? Yeah, I'll go with Sweet. that. Okay, this is the voting time. So Jack, we'll start with you. Uh, it's tough because they're both really good. But I think, yeah, maybe the city wildlife just it inches it just a little bit because, yeah, it's, I hadn't mm. really even thought about it till you brought that up. But, yeah, there's always some f***er in the field going on about uh, <laughs> in, in, enjoy it. So, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I think, ju- but just, but I do definitely uh, agree with what Lucy was saying as well. So, yeah, only just, mm. only just city wildlife for me. Um, Lucy, city wildlife or pernickety politics people paperwork i'm going to go with city wildlife just because i personally shared the thought a lot in the past year but again jack god yes competing for funding with people mm, yeah. oh my well, god you've project there, funding. you've been in all of that oh, world god project funding don't get me started <laughs> yeah. on project funding let's run a project for five years that's only going to have this amount of impact <laughs> and pay someone to write an annual report mm. <laughs> it's a long time it takes a long time um well i will congratulate myself i've won but i'm gonna say my my vote was gonna go to lucy because i could not agree more even when it comes down to running this podcast how important it is to do research before you book people or pick people Mm -hmm. it's not just about picking the people that are there you do your research you're responsible as a media outlet as a production company as a publisher do your research Mm -hmm. so yeah my vote would have gone to that but jack yours is fucking yeah yeah they were good i don't no no mention of any names, I don't think. And so we all feel name. better now. We all feel better. Look at that. Cleanse. <laughs> right, let's move on to our third and final topic for Nature Room 101. This is something we've never actually spoken about on the show at all. And I now think we should do an episode about it because we've all got seasons we love. We've all got times of year. And for the reason, because of the weather, you know, and as British, all of us are British, I assume. Yeah. Uh, we, we love to moan about the weather. We love it. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It could change day in, day out, and we won't moan about it. So um, which... <laughs> Let's see whether I agree which weather Lucy has picked for the weather round. Lucy, which weather do you hate? Ryan, I hate snow. Anyone yes. who used to follow me on social media but then unfollowed me because <laughs> I said that I hated snow will know this. Never was a controversial opinion more vehemently disputed. I think it is just the most irrelevant, dangerous, <laughs> soul-destroying... Of all the weather types. It's just set to ruin your day. So first of all, you get the build-up. Snow! How exciting. Nine times out of ten, it's not snow. It's sleet. So you get really excited moments of, oh my God, snowmen. It's not. It's not like that. It's it's very rarely actually kind of full-blown blanket pretty snow. Doesn't happen very often. Um, Except if you live in like the high tops and I'm not counting you here. Um... For most people... (laughs) You are not welcome You're not welcome in this conversation. Um, For most people, snow is something that happens overnight and then it Mm -hmm. is there in the morning and you go, oh, look at the pretty light of snow. Literally, the only good thing about snow is the light it casts at night. Only worthwhile thing in this entire genre. And people get up and then people immediately start driving their cars all over it. So then we don't have snow, then we have slush, which is dangerous to stand on. Uh, it really hurts if you fall over in snow. It, it, it's yes. painful. Um, it's cold and wet. And I frankly can't understand why anyone wants to roll around in it, throw themselves down a hill to inevitably crash into a tree. Has anyone have ever had an experience in snow that hasn't ended in tears? It's one of those things. It's like getting drunk with your mates and jumping off something really high. It seems like a really 
good idea at the time. It isn't. It's never a good idea to play in snow. I was so proud of my daughter when I said, do you want to play in the garden in the snow or do you want to watch Frozen? And she said, Frozen. I was like, well done. The snow experience without the inconvenience. You then get inside. So you have, okay, let's say you get half an hour of fun before your kids are cold, crying, they've hurt themselves, they've stabbed themselves, they've done something, the snowman's fallen over. Um, in this year, it was all, oh, my God, there's too many people playing in the snow and it's breaking lockdown. Like, well, <laughs> just another thing to add to the list of why this is the most awful of all weather types. <laughs> and essentially, like, you, you play outside and then you go in and you think, right, now I've actually got to de-robe. I've got to get rid of all of these many layers of clothing. And that leaves yeah. brown snow all over your entranceway. Your shoes are soaking wet and you have to try and dry them. Your gloves are soaking wet, you have to try and dry them. You then can't go back outside without putting on wet gear, which is just horrible. So you then have to try and dry everything really quickly so you can go back outside again. And then in the end, it's this disappointingly short amount of time when suddenly it starts to melt and everyone's a bit disappointed because it's like, oh, the snow's going. And it's only yeah. been there for about four hours and everyone's like, oh, there's no more snow. It grinds the country to a halt. I mean, God forbid you're trying to get on a bus or a plane or a train in the snow because apparently the infrastructure in this country cannot cope with a light dusting. You see Sweden and they're like, huh, yeah, this country. No, no, we can't do it. Going with on anyone. planes made out of snow. <laughs> yeah, it's just awful in this country. It just grinds everything to a halt. You're sitting there panicking about five days ahead going, well, what do I do now? How do I plan my life around this annoying thing that's fallen from the sky? Frankly, I'd rather have a volcanic eruption than snow. <laughs> I hate it. And I don't understand why anyone, anyone who gets enjoyment out of this is a sadist. They like watching love- children cry. They like watching people being cold and wet and miserable and falling over. And that makes you a sadist. I'm sure the guys in Pompeii would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> they were dying for a bit of snow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I oh God, you you said a lot of things that I resonate with there. That is um okay, Jack, I'm gonna go straight on to you for your type of weather okay. that you want to put into room one oh one. Um yeah, that was a tough one as well, because I was like, oh, what why was you know, because I, I I sort of thought of snow, but then the photographer in me loves a bit of snow, so I couldn't go for that. But when it is yeah. um really, really hot and I can't remember what summer it was. Was it twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen? Where it was like thirty degrees every day in the UK or it's just we had like a a really long heat wave. And uh here in the UK we're mm. just not set up for that. Like there's no air conditioning. Um no. the, the houses get really, really hot. Like I was I keep mentioning me being naked a lot in this, but like I was I was butt naked on top of my sheets in the middle of the night and I was spooning a lemonade bottle out the fridge because I was so hot no. trying to trying to cool myself down. I was like, just kill me now. This is like uh, at the time my garden was relatively private, so I'd just go and walk in the garden in the night to try and cool off naked. God knows if any of the neighbours saw me. And uh, What an image. It's not a nice image, no. Um and I was just like, I need to call. It was just horrible. It's really, you lose the drive to work, I find as well. Like when it's really yeah. hard, I don't want to do admin. I don't want to write stuff or, or do emails or, or even pick up the camera half the time. It's just not comfortable. So when it's that kind of really disgusting, sweaty, horrible heat, all I want to do is is sit in the sun and drink cider. I can just about manage doing that. But everything else sort of mm. goes out the window. Like, because if you go, like if you go to Spain, it's a, I guess it's a bit of a drier heat. 
and they they cope with it. You, if it gets too hot, you just go in, inside for air conditioning. I went to Cuba a couple of years ago and it was really humid outside, but if it got too much, you could get away from it. But in, in the UK, when we get that sort of heat, you, there's no escape unless, I guess, you've got air conditioning, but most people don't have air conditioning in the UK. So that really hot, sticky heat is mm. what I would uh, get rid of. Well, as I said, the other thing, if it's in another country, like if you're like, oh, yeah, but do you not like the heat in Cuba? It's like, yeah, but if you're, if you're in Cuba and it's hot, you're in Cuba. Yeah. Like, you you know, you're drinking mojitos, you're by the beach, yeah. you're smoking a cigar. You're not in London trying to get the central no, line oh, the tube, to work. The tube must be a nightmare when it's like that. I, I, honestly, th- this is a tricky one for me um, because both weathers you've picked are a nightmare in London. Yeah, because London all holds weather the is a nightmare in London. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when it's hot, when it's thirty-eight degrees, it is like forty-two degrees yeah. out there because it's concrete everywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it holds it. But snow in London, when it's snow, it's a f- death trap because everything's concrete, so everything is ice. You can't walk it. You can't. I right, Highgate is up the road in a hill. You can't do it. You just slide back down. In the heat, you will not make it to the top. <laughs> so you two have really put me in a corner. <laughs> Right, so that that was a good one. Yeah. Heat. Okay. Well, the one I'm putting in is one I can't stand. And to be honest, if tomorrow there was this weird development where they went, this type of weather's disappeared. We're never going to have it again. I would not give a f- like. I wouldn't care because it serves, in my opinion, no purpose. And I will fight that. That's a hill I will die on. And that's wind. Just wind. Mm. Just windy weather. Oh, today's forty mile an hour winds. Why? Why is it 40? Where is that coming from? And why is that here? And then some people, when I complain about wind, they go, well, yeah, well, would you hate more, wind or a hurricane? And you're like, well, take the wind out of a hurricane. It's just a circular motion of cloud, isn't it? No one's ever complained about a seven mile an hour hurricane. Like no one, no one cares. It's the fucking wind that does the damage. And I can't. And also I've got long hair. All right. I've got long hair. And I think, Lucy, you're going to resonate with this. Yep. You, you, you do this, you walk out. You're out and about, and then suddenly the wind blows, and you're like, oh, great, I can't see where I'm going. I'm trying to cross a main road, and now I've got it in my mouth. Which add I lip stand. gloss. Seriously, Ryan, add lip gloss. If that's not your cup of tea, I do. Vaseline at I least. Do. <laughs> Splat. Yeah. Smeared. It's horrible. And we just don't need it. This is the other thing. I don't think we need wind. I think we've got enough stuff that does the stuff wind does. But do you know what I mean? We've got enough alternative energy types. We don't need wind's power. All right, it might help things fly, but they're birds, and I don't give a <laughs> about them. And we've—I could just feel oh, Indy like, Green, might... that heart clenching his heart. <laughs> 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 and then you've got like you could okay, they could spread seeds and pollen and wildflower, but then it spreads pollen, and people have hay fever, and it's—it's it's just wind is just always ruins the day, and it doesn't matter what type of weather wind is in. So if it's hot and it's windy, it's horrible because it's just blowing the hot air. If it's snowing and it's windy, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. If it's raining, that's one thing. But if it's windy rain, you're like, I'm going to kill someone. And it's just all those things. When wind is added, it makes it 20 times worse. I, I g- genuinely think Bill Gates should, um, should be figuring out a way to get rid of it. <laughs> Silence. Um, that's, yeah. I don't know what to yeah. do with that. <laughs> yeah. That's my closing statement. <laughs> Bill Gates. It's the Bill Gates thing that got me there. Not so much the wind. Yeah. It's like, why is Bill Gates talking the wind out? Does he do that? Well, no, but he doesn't. Am I thinking of the right person? He's the, he's the computer yeah. guy, isn't he? Yeah, but he's always trying to solve climate oh, change or solve oh, right, problems okay. with science and technology. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so. All right, then. Oh. Are you not I thinking of Elon I, I Musk? I, no, he's just was um, 
Bill Gates send the wind um, to Mars. That would be Elon Musk, wouldn't it? No, but Bill Gates has um, <laughs> come up with a solution to uh, for carbon. Oh, okay. Like, to suck carbon out of the atmosphere, and he's trying to solve climate change. Uh-huh. And, what, you know, trees? another billionaire trying to do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was the thing. He was. He was. Well, no, that was Elon Musk. Maybe yeah. just giving off a million. Sort of I'll have his money if that's but, all it costs. Yeah. Bill Gates is always trying to solve something, going, okay. if we could just do this, it's like, how about you just pay more money to Bill? Um, ever thought of doing that? But anyway, that's another rant. Um, yeah. Okay, so we now need to vote on who we are picking for this. So um, I'm going to go first. This is hard. Right, I'm going to go snow because I don't like being cold. I can make do <laughs> with being hot because you can stop in the heat and you can sit outside and get drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. No one sat yeah, outside snow. with a pint of cider and a pair of sunnies in the snow. No, you'd have a. And if they are, I've got no time. But if them. you look at all the cold <laughs> countries, they all get, don't they? If you look at like Russia, they're on the vodka. Scotland, they're on the whiskey. <laughs> uh, they they know how to pass the time. Away from the snow inside. <laughs> I guess that's an. You have to do that to keep warm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, I can't physically work in the sun with the dogs because it's too dangerous the snow i still have to be out in it Uh, and uh, i think uh, yeah and i just yeah it's not for me it's i just i agree uh, i i agree with what you said lucy the wet the cold the added and it's just not nice so i i would go with snow out of that one lucy wind or heat intense heat I am going, although I do seriously question your lack of primary school science abilities, Ryan, here, in terms of <laughs> we do kind of need wind. Um, it does have some g- function. G- give me a reason. G- g- give me a reason and I'll back it up that we don't need it. I'm pretty Go. sure it's something linked with the climate. No, no climate's there. It doesn't spread Well, it's also like like the the Gulf Stream and the Jet Stream and things like... Oh, no one needs the Gulf Stream like, anymore. I think it kind Eels of has do. a fun... <laughs> has a <laughs> fundamental role in kind of making the world work. But okay, um, either way, I'm still going to go with wind because wind was my second choice. And sorry, Jack, I bloody love the sun. I don't care if it's muggy, dry, whatever. Put me outside <laughs> no. in the sunshine and that's all. I don't care how hot it is. I've got to 42 degrees before and I've still been happy. Bloody love the sunshine. Like a reptile right. basking. Yeah, I really yeah. am. I'm like, yes! Let's get naked and lie outside with cider. That's all you need. It's any excuse. That's what Jack does. He just does it at night. Yeah. yeah. Um, just... Right. Um, Jack, wh- um, where, are you, where are you going? You're the decider. Here. Okay. Not the power. Um, so I do. I like the snow. I'm sorry. I do like the snow for, for photos. So it's got to be wind but strong wind that i don't yeah when it's like you know when you're up at night and it's like outside no i don't yeah like that so i'd go wind i i will actually challenge anyone that's listening to this write in what wind is good for and i'll i'll diss it oh like it's not winning okay you're opening yourself up there aren't you Oh, it's all right. No one ever writes it. Okay. (laughs) No one makes it this far. (laughs) No one one makes it to minute 52. Um, (laughs) Say what you want now. Um, No, I just, yeah, I just think we could make do without it. A strong wind. All right, a little bit. I don't mind a gust. That's the closing sentence of the show. (laughs) A, A steady 17 mile an hour, you're fine with anything more than that. Also, I have to drive a canal boat on the weekend wind <laughs> you're already going at like you know, four miles to... an hour y- yeah but it's 70 foot long 
You ever tried to drive a really long boat in the wind? Never tried to drive a really short boat in the wind, to be honest. But It's not easy. You get pushed to one side. It's dangerous. Um, but anyway, I, why am I complaining? I won. <laughs> yes, won. well done. I'm grand. I've got it. Nailed it. <laughs> Wind's going into room 101. It's not coming back out. <laughs> um, well, there we go. We've had ticks. We've had city wildlife. And then... We've had um, wind go into room 101. Well, thank you so much to Lucy McRobert and Jack Perks for joining me on the first episode of Nature Room 101. How did you both enjoy it? Do you feel a bit more like you can continue your day now you've had a rant? Oh, absolutely. I feel like next time we need teams and more people. Get like an entire yes. Zoom conversation, like 20 people okay. all ranting. Mm. Yeah, de- de-stressed, <laughs> I'm good. I can live out my day now. Or a live version <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night where people can vote. We can do that on Instagram. Do you want to do an Instagram live? <laughs> that would be quite funny. But it has to be after like 9 can... o'clock because the swear words will yes. slip out. <laughs> we can do that easy. We can have four people on Instagram live. Let's do that. Well, my thanks to you both for joining me and getting angry and having a good old rant. And to my listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the work and projects that Lucy and Jack are working on, you can find their social media tags in the write-up of this episode. And you can also get in touch with me at intothewildpod at gmail.com or on social media at intothewildpod on Twitter and intothewildpodcast on Instagram. Whether you just want to say hello or share some thoughts on an episode or even let me know what you want to hear about next. A reminder that any views or opinions expressed in today's show belong to the person who said them and do not represent Into the Wild or anyone that we have worked with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild aims to always be a free show, however, running and producing it is not free. If you'd like to support us by saying thanks, and you can do so by buying me a coffee, our Kofi link is in the write-up of this episode. But until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.